You're about to listen to youth produce content from Listen Up Youth Radio. Listen Up is a Twin City social enterprise working at the intersection of youth employment, leadership, and media production. You're listening to Youth Soup, the podcast that adds some youth to your soup. That was so good. Today's question of the day, what smells like home to you? Hey everyone, this is Siam, an intern producer at Listen Up Youth Radio, and you're listening to Youth Soup. In this episode, we'll be talking about the impact food and culture might have on a person. For food and family lovers all around, this is for you. I myself come from a culture-orientated environment, so this is an important topic for me to learn alongside you. Without further ado, let's get started. Culture holds so many elements, but everyone's point of view of one culture could be different from another. A person I have here today has his input to add to the mix. Um, why don't you start telling me a little bit about yourself? Uh, my name is uh, Abdramani Bro. Uh, I am from East Africa, Ethiopia. Uh, I'm Oromo. I went to school over there until sixth grade, and then I moved to the second city in Ethiopia, which is we call Dredor, and I went until ninth grade. And then after that, I left my country. When leaving your country, was there a specific reason for that? Yeah, too much war is going on and fighting, so I did not want, I didn't like, like it, that fighting. Coming to a new country is a struggle itself, but by yourself is something I couldn't imagine doing. This just shows immigrants have a story specific to them. Have you went back and visited? Yeah, I went back home three times to visit my family. How did that experience make you feel? It feel good, but being away from the family is very hard. I miss them so much. <laughs> yeah. When coming to America, why did you decide to come to Minnesota? Uh, I was in school over there, and uh, I have some friends over here in Minnesota, so I moved here. After coming to America, do you still speak your home language? Yeah, I still do speak home, my home language, and plus Somali language, and Oromo language, and Amharic language. Why don't you define what culture means to you? The culture is uh, the strong thing which I still have it, even though I've been here so long in United States. My culture kept me away from a lot of problems. So uh, I like it. Would you say your culture has a big impact on who you are as a person? Sure. It makes me strong and I'm proud of it. So uh, I raise my family, my kids in the right way as much as I can. My culture is very good and very nice and respecting. Going back to what you said about your language, can you tell me more about it? Oromo language is so wide and uh, very diverse language. Oromo language is very diverse language. So for one thing, we have so many different words. Many languages have different dialects and different ways to say one thing, even English. Have you ever learned to make a cultural dish? Uh, not really. I, mostly I eat what the ladies make, you know. Like your mom? 
like my mom and yeah. Do you remember a time where your mom was in the kitchen and cooking? Yeah, I remember, but uh, I don't really focus on making food because in our culture, we don't cook that much. The men don't cook. Mostly the ladies cook in our culture. A lot of the time, women are seen for cooking and men are seen for financial support. Even to this day, some cultures still have that way of thinking, while others are more flexible with it. Did you grow up eating a specific type of food? Do you remember? Uh, yeah, I was eating bidena and also marka and uh, so many different foods. So. Um, coming from Ethiopia, how did the way you see food and your culture change when you came? In America, so there is a lot of different food, which is especially immigrated. Mostly American food, what I which I saw it is like a, a hamburger. <laughs> so the rest food is immigrant bring in with them, the rest recipe. I like how you said that. Lots of different cultural dishes have been being changing to make it modern, more modern in society. Right. Is there anything else you would like to add? Anything you would like for people to know about your culture and who you are? Uh, I would like to comment on this, which is, uh, you know, everybody's culture is good to them, is very nice. And uh, I hope all the kids, they keep their parents' culture, which is very nice, respecting, loving, and uh, it's good to be, you know, focus on their own culture. That was Abdurrahman. He gave us his story and view on his aspect of culture and food. Were your answers to some of my questions similar to his or different? Let's have another person tell us. What does culture mean to them? Culture means it's my identity. That's Ilili Muhammad, an Oromo immigrant born and raised in Ethiopia, coming to America at the age of 15 by herself. Around the age of 18, she brought her parents over to America. She works as an interpreter at a hospital and has a job at PCA. Now, with a loving husband and five children, spending her time watching crime shows and taking walks how I talk to people, how I represent myself um, as who I am, who I want to be. So culture has a lot of uh, roles in my life, basically. It's everything I do every single day and how I breathe, how I do my work, how I raise my kids, how I interact with people every single day. How did it feel when you came to America and seeing new culture around you? It's difficult. Every time you go somewhere you're not familiar, it's always a difficult journey, but I learned to embrace it and um, mix it with my own culture, keep, keep my own culture intact, add the good one that I get from America, keep the bad one, like all over the world kind of culture here. So I tend to make space for all of them, but it's hard, it's hard to come to a new country and learn everything. Has the way you make food changed? I always try to keep my um, own food um, and add maybe like change it up the spice um, to a new spice. But mainly I try to stay 
to my own um, culture of food because I want them to not forget it. Because if I keep making other culture food, I have a feeling we get it's, mine gonna worn out. So I try to keep it so they can hold on to it too. How would you say food represents your culture? Oh, the spice, the smell, the the taste is everything what I what I call myself. It reminds me of back home so much that I consider it it's my own identity. You know, when I cook, I feel like I'm home every time I cook my cultural food. So I don't know how I can describe it, but it's something about it that just calls on to it. Do you remember a time making a cultural dish? Yeah, yeah, I remember. When I, my first um, food was how, well, it's not food, drink, coffee, you know, buna. So it's how you make coffee. It's culturally like that's what they teach you first back home. And then from there you go to make like um, sugo and then like furfuri, you know, does mom make those thick kind of stuff? Yeah, so yeah, I remember my mom used to teach me. I bet some of you can relate to Elili's experience. From what her family taught her, she teaches her children. When talking with Elili, you can picture her going down memory lane, talking about the different Oromo foods that we both enjoy. Going back to your kids, would you say the food you make also has an influence on them? Every time I cook food, I call my kids to the kitchen. That's like where we talk while I'm cooking and then express our feelings, you know, unload all day. Um, you know, burden that they have on their shoulder. That's where they breathe that, you know, we cook through all that. So it's like not just food, but it's where you unwind all your problems and get the knowledge. So it's, it's a good journey in the kitchen. When I cook, I feel good. Cooking together as a family is a way to find comfort in one another. Elili saying how her kids get to de-stress and express their feelings during this time really resonates with me. I usually found being in the kitchen very burdensome and felt bad for my own mom who had to cook after coming back from work. But nowadays, I like being there, learning how to make new things and finding peace in cooking. How would you say it impacts the next generation of kids? About my culture of food? My kids love it. It's, it's, I always tell, there's some favorite food they say, they would never forget it, you know? They would hold on to it that they would pass on down like mulawah. Yeah, so it, it, it's, it, they like it. Did the way you see culture change after you came to America? Yeah, it did. It did because uh, there is obvious. We are obviously in America, so there is other culture every day you interact with. So either food or people or clothes or everything. Yeah, there is change, but for better. I wouldn't call it in a bad way. It's how you handle it. So yeah, for better. Is there anything else you would like to add? Oromo culture is so rich. So um um. It's like those culture that I want everybody to know because there is so much in it. Um, the way you raise your kids, the way you, we respect elderly people, the way how we take care of our parents that you know, are getting older and you know, they need our help. There's so much in it that I wish everybody that I know around me learn to use my culture. There's so much richness and so much respect for it, yeah. Culture is important because it helps us understand our past and present. Food plays a big role in culture as well because it reflects the traditions and values a community has. 
Regarding the Oromo culture, the U.S. is the second largest when it comes to its population. In Oromo culture, the way that food is prepared and served is just as important as the ingredients themselves. Food is a way to connect with our heritage and understand our roots. Often considered a universal language that transcends borders and brings people together, it's fascinating how different cultures have their own unique cuisine and traditions, yet we all appreciate the beauty and importance of it. Keeping your culture is important because in this world, so many cultures have disappeared. Ask yourself if you embrace it or if you change with it. The knowledge you get not only from your culture, but others as well can impact your daily life and you might not even know. Try out an Oromo restaurant. The food might not be to your taste, but first experience never hurts. Don't forget, this is Siam from Listen Up Youth Radio and you're listening to Youth Soup. Thanks for tuning in. Hello, my name is Diamond. I'm a Youth Soup producer at Listen Up Youth Radio. During our conversation today, we discuss traditional foods, customs, and how they were passed down from one generation to the next. So do you want to introduce yourself first? Yeah, um, Buju Anin, Asenenini Indijinakaz, Megizi Indudem, Nagachi Wanong Indunjiba, Maple Grove Inda. And what I said there is my name is Stone Man um, in my Ojibwe name. And I'm from the Eagle Clan and also from the Fond du Lac Reservation up in northern Minnesota. And that I live in Maple Grove right now. Is there any history behind your clan that you would want to share and talk about? Um, our clans are set up in a way that that's your relative, right? So if I meet somebody from, from the same clan, that's my, um, that's my relative. So. Um, there's expectations on how I should should treat them and how I should not treat them. For people who don't have clans, Eagle Clan would be the one that um, s- most often would adopt you in because that's one of the things that Eagle Clans um, can do, you know, is adopt you in and that's where you would be. Okay, thank you for that. Do you know the history and meaning behind your last name? Or would you like to talk about that? My last name, Lefebvre, um, is actually a French name. And um, it wasn't something that I learned about, like, passed down to me. Um, but um, I did ask somebody from, from France. And they mentioned um, Lefebvre means the bean. And um, the story behind it was the king um, would have a feast, and in that feast, he would hide a bean in the cake. And so every guest would have a piece of cake, and whoever found uh, the bean would be the king for the night. So that's where that English version of my name came from. Now my name, Asinanini, Stone Man, my Anishinaabe, uh, name uh, was given to me by my wea um, on a kingbird and so um, she bestowed that name on me she gave me that name through dream and um, that's how that name was passed to me I just want to know like how you learned Ojibwe oh so this is this is a story um I attended school here in Minneapolis, and I um, had no 
opportunity like for language learning Ojibwe I took German for like three years and then when I um, reached college uh, I went to Fond du Lac Community College and um, started taking language classes and learning about uh, native history learning about you know um, how policies affect our people but that's when I started learning and you know wanting to take that opportunity that others like my grandmother and my grandfather had having that stripped from them having the opportunity to learn that and pass it on to to um, anyone who's willing to, to learn um, has been my driving force behind why I teach. I just want to talk about how, basically how we made fried bread before, and I just want to ask, do you know how to make fried bread? Oh boy. So that was my second ever attempt at making fried bread. Um, the first time I added um, baking soda instead of powder, so they look beautiful. They're as hard as hockey pucks, so I wouldn't recommend adding baking soda to your fry bread recipes. <laughs> um, and then, of course, the sale that we had, um, which was really, for me as a teacher, was really cool to witness um, the young people step up and just kind of take charge and um, just start frying up the bread. You know, it was really cool to see. Tell me how important fry bread is to you. Ooh, well, <laughs> fry bread, you know, traditionally fry bread isn't a traditional food. Uh, fry bread was um, survival food made from commodities from uh, the U.S. government. So um, we had flour, we had, um, you know, uh, oil, lard, things like that, that we would use to make substantive food that we could eat and, and what we with what we had so fry bread um, is not healthy because it's <laughs> made in oil but it's it's a treat that um, that we have and it culturally it's it's something that you know we we we've made into something you know what I mean it's not it's not something that we've always had but um, it's definitely delicious. When like we made fry bread at Northeast Middle School, I was just like really surprised on how like you didn't know how to make fry bread. Mm -hmm. and yeah. No, you know, um, the fry bread. Uh, who can make the best fry bread? I didn't even try to get into that ring, you know, because um, you can have some families going at it. Who's got the best fry bread? Whose auntie's better? Things like that. So um, it can get heated. Um, but definitely uh, delicious. And is there anything you really want to add? Mm, I think um, for me, um, what I would like to add is for um, people in the community to know and when you have opportunity to learn um, any sort of stories, any sort of teachings, any sort of art, any sort of language, um, take up, you know, take those chances and go out and learn a little bit about um, yourself, 
favorite thing about teaching is watching students step outside of their comfort zone feeling scared you can see them scared but taking that courage um, and that's what bravery is having the courage to um, take take those feelings of being uncomfortable and overcoming them um, that's learning because I can see them learning things about themselves that maybe you're definitely not going to learn in a textbook or on a computer. So those are the moments that I see and I cherish. That's the reason I teach. Those are the reasons I teach. You know, um, talking about you and, and I was riding over and thinking about Remember when I asked you if you're related to Margaret, right? Peak Raymond. Remember, and I was like, oh, Raymond's. And um, she was a mentor of mine, and she, she um, was a researcher. She created, or helped create, the Indian Women's Resource Center in South Minneapolis. And she advocated for providing treatment services for um, Native women with um, specifically cultural um, practices and um, treatment philosophies. And so um, she worked really hard to do that. And she also worked, um, you know, as a writer doing research for our community. So, um, you're talking about passing on traditions and teachings and things like that, but watching where I've been and, and meeting her, now she just recently passed. I just, like within the last month, she passed. But, I'm, but what made me think of her what, and then connecting with you is you're a young person who has some of those same characteristics that I've seen in and, and people that I've met, right? But knowing that this person that I have a lot of respect for, and then to see characteristics in our young people doing those same things, it, it just makes me um, appreciative that our young people are so strong and, and um, our future is so um, promising. So those are things, those are, that's why I teach. That's why, um, that's why I live. Miss Deja Raymond is from the Ehonktawan tribe in South Dakota. She is the mother of two daughters and also the owner of a small indigenous beadwork business. She is also my mom, and she will be discussing culture, beadwork, and fry bread. Who taught you how to make fry bread and how did you feel about learning it? Oh, wow, well, I guess it would be my grandma, your great-grandma, was the one who taught me how to make fry bread. Um, about at the age of probably about nine is when I first started frying fry bread with grandma. Great-grandma would always just use her hands to measure everything, so i just use my hands and eyeball everything like grandma did. and. 
Now I always cross my fingers when I make fry bread to make it, hopefully make it as good as grandma did. How did you find fry bread important? I guess because it's something that was passed down. You know, grandma learned it from her mom and her mom learned it from her mom. I mean, the only thing that, that changed was your grandma, my mom, didn't learn how to make fry bread. So, skip the generation. Tell me about the beadwork you do. Um, well, let's see. Usually the beadwork that I do um, is usually medallions, which are like necklaces um, or earrings. Um, I do a little bit of peyote stitch, mm -hmm. some brick stitch, which is just different techniques of beading. Tell me how you learned to practice beadwork. Well, okay, so long time ago when I was probably about 12, maybe 10 to 12, somewhere in there, my cousin had a lot of beads and one day I was bored and I was like, hmm, I think I wanna make a, I wanna make myself a necklace. So I just started stringing beads on a thread and thought I came up with a cool pattern and I was like, oh, that's cool, but it's just a string on, on beads. And then eventually I thought of other things I could do with that. And after that, I just kind of picked up some things on my own. Why are you so passionate about beadwork that you made a business out of it? Um, because I can do it at home. I can do it at my own pace. Um, it's fun to create new things. Uh, sometimes it's it's sad to see some of my my projects go to their forever homes, you know. But you know, it's just it's it's fun. It's it's a lot of patience. Sometimes people don't always have the patience for it, but you know, patience is a virtue. Do you know anything about your tribe's language? Um, I, I cannot speak our own language because it is very hard. Uh, mm -hmm. Your great-grandma did try to teach me, I don't know how many times, but it's, it is very hard. She'd always say, you got to talk from the back of your throat, which means it's a lot of in it. And I was like, what? She's like, just pretend you have a piece of popcorn stuck in the back of your throat when you're trying to say some of these words. And oh my gosh, that was, that's hard. I mean, it's something I would love to learn, but I just, I never have. If I could speak it, there'd be a lot I would want to say, which I, I just can't ramble off right now. But other than I love my family and I'm proud of where I came from. Are there any similarities or differences in quote-unquote native schools and quote-unquote American schools? When you go to a native school, native classes, they're, they're just taught right along with U.S. history. 
we get to learn more about how how and what happened to our ancestors than versus growing up here and learning U.S. history. We only get to learn one side of it. From these conversations, I learned the value of retaining culture through language, traditional practices, and relationships, especially within the context and history of the U.S. Hearing and learning more about my Native side has been a valuable experience. I hope that others are able to either resonate or expand their understandings. And with that, this has been Diamond from Listen Up Youth Radio. Thank you for tuning in. Ooh, that was an experience. Learn more about Listen Up Youth Radio, including our peer-to-peer educational workshops in media production and social media marketing services at www.listenupyouth.org. Check out past broadcasts of YouthSoup on a live podcast app now available on iOS and coming soon to Android. This activity was made possible by the voters of Minnesota through a grant from the Metropolitan Regional Arts Council. Thanks to a legislative appropriation from the Arts and Cultural Heritage Fund.